What's up, guys? John here from High Jiu-Jitsu. We have another episode here for you guys today. It's not the usual High Jiu-Jitsu podcast with Maddie and I. This time, it's with Pat Osborne, a fellow High Jiu-Jitsu student and all-around legend. We discuss the ins and outs of his uh, journey through the martial arts. It's a fascinating journey at that. It's a great chat. Thanks for coming on, Pat. And um, from now on, we're going to have the story show um, on the High Jiu-Jitsu podcast feed. It's all chats regarding jiu-jitsu. They're all lots of fun. Um, and I'm happy to be bringing them to you. Hope you guys are well. Thanks for tuning in. All the best. Oos. Hey, Pat. What's going on, buddy? Hey, John. Yeah, um, I'm good, man. You? Yeah, really good, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for jumping onto the, the potty. And as we were saying before... Um, no problem. I'm not, I'm not too sure how this is going to go and whether we've still got the skills of podcasting or we've still got the skills of conversation, talking to people because it's, it's been a while, you know, but, but here we are. Um, we're, we're into it. Um, man, what I'd like to do for this little um, chat is just to go over you and just your, your, your experiences with jujitsu and um, seeing how you came into it. And, you know, we'll, we'll go from there and hopefully we'll get a nice little story going. Um, so Pat, tell us, uh, more about your background. Where, where does Pat come from? Uh, well, Pat comes from Penrith. So that's, um, that's, that's a good place to start. Um, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Penrith. Um, so I lived there probably, you know, the vast majority of my life. Um, and that's, you know, where I, obviously first got involved with martial arts. Um, it's like around Penrith, it's always been like a lot of different martial arts academies and gyms and things. And obviously those have changed over the years as, you know, different, you know, um, I guess it's whatever like zeitgeist of the time. Like, you know, it used to be, you know, Taekwondo gyms everywhere. Because mm-hmm. um, Taekwondo was huge. Like it was just this like massive thing that everyone did Taekwondo back in the day. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what I started with. Um, there was at my primary school, they used to teach Taekwondo in the, um, little hall assembly area they had there at, uh, Kingswood South primary school. And, uh, yeah, my, my, a friend of mine did it and I'd always wanted to do martial arts because I grew up watching, um, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and seeing like Bruce Lee and all that kind of stuff and um yeah Jean-Claude Van Damme was definitely the one like you know once you've seen Bloodsport even even now it's just like you know now it's in that so bad it's good territory but back then you used to think it was like the best thing ever it was the coolest thing out uh-huh that's, so, like, that's um, like um the Rocky yeah yeah movie. I, so you look at the what I watch the Rocky movies now and I think as a kid like what was I thinking why did I love them so much but um <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, um, you know, and it's good because you've kind of got that thing that, you know, like leads you into something, you know, a lot of people like, you know, that's how they get into boxing is, you know, through Rocky. And, you know, I, I, you know, saw Taekwondo and I'm like, oh yeah, that's like heaps of kicking and Van Damme does heaps of kicking. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. All right. That's, you know, that'll be good. So let's give it a crack. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that was where I started off. Um, and then, you know, I did that for a few years How and, old you know, it was never, Taekwondo? oh, 
Um, probably, I think I probably started that when I was around 10. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, started that and, you know, and I was never at school, I was never terribly athletic. Like I just wasn't really that interested in, in sports. Like I used to muck around with my friends and, and everything, but, um, I was probably a little bit more, um, on the nerdy side back in school. Like I used to, I was really big on reading. So all I wanted to do was just read books and, um, that was because I came from like my dad was really quite big into you know athletics like he liked his sports growing up like he played pretty much everything you know um cricket um like footy golf the whole you know all the sort of stock standard sort of ball sports that he, he was he was quite into and um that funnily enough ended up being more like my sister. Like she was, um, she was really big into say like touch footy and everything in, in school. She actually was in like reps and things like that. And I kind of just had this pull in a different direction. And then, you know, that led me to martial arts cause I just wanted something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And um, I think luckily, um, you know, being that I started off being not terribly athletic, but I think that there was some maybe, you know, I guess hereditary athleticism there because eventually as I started doing stuff, like I, I found that if I tried something, like I, you know, could pick it up reasonably quickly. Yeah. It's surprising. It's surprising that you uh, weren't athletic as a kid. Cause you look at you now and you're not uncoordinated <laughs> at all. Like you seem like you were, it comes pretty natural to you. So um, it's pretty surprising yeah. to you that you're more of a bookworm than That's- a sporty guy. Oh, definitely. And that's um, like, that's my theory on it that like, you know, it was sort of there, it was just like hidden. Like it was just this, um, you know, in my DNA, it was, um, it was there, but I just hadn't accessed it yet. Um, and yeah, like, I, I think like a lot of people as well, you know, you go through school and especially being not athletic terribly, um, you know, got picked on a little bit, like nothing too crazy, but um, you know, I, I think that's what sort of led me to wanting to be able to defend myself then wanting to also like gain that self-respect as well. Um, and that discipline from martial arts, you know, it's, you know, especially back in the day, you know, even, even in those like, you know, old school movies, like even if you watch like the karate kid and everything, you know, that was a big part of, especially, you know, around that time, you know, the karate and all that, you know, Taekwondo, and all martial arts as a whole, it's got that that culture of um, of discipline and of self development and um, and you know that that sort of like you know sense of honor and things like that. Um, and, and that was a really big appealing thing as well because like being like a, a bit of a bookworm that liked you know reading and you know you read these stories of um, you know usually most you know, fictional stories tend to follow the archetype. You look at like a Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. Um, and, you know, all these things that makes a hero is that like sort of discipline, that, um, that you know, honourable nature and all this kind of stuff that, um, you know, that's appealing in martial arts because, you know, really like when we look at it, you know, we all want to kind of be the good guy. We all want to be Van Damme, like saving the day. That's interesting. So you reckon... You reckon um, the appeal towards like discipline and honor, if you like, is that a part of wanting to be the good guy? Like what, 
what drives people to that? Because I, I, that's one thing I love about karate and all the martial arts for that matter. The fact that whether or not it's a different conversation, whether they're effective, um, if you compare all of them against each other, which one's more effective and not. But I think that, I think people get a little bit too focused on that. Like it's important, but I don't think it's the whole picture because I think karate and mm. taekwondo and all the other arts give you so much more in addition to the skills of combat. So, you know, like discipline and, and committing yourself and, you know, being and understanding the process and being patient with yourself and the um, arts of learning is all a part of like any martial art really and the process of the martial arts. So um, what do you think, what, what was it? Elaborate a bit more on what attracted you to that. So um, I think it's the, I think the, the part of it that really attracted me is a little bit like the singular nature of it. It's very, it's a very personal journey for people. And that's something that I never really got from um, like team sports. And that's why I was never terribly interested in that because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it might seem like in, inherently selfish, I guess, that you're, you know, you're like, no, 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 I just want to focus on me. Like, I don't, wanna, I don't care what anyone else is doing. But um, I mean, the, the self-development aspects of that and, and I think really wanting to become something more than myself or, you know, or, or just strive to something like, you know, like a better version of myself, I, I guess would be the better way of saying it. Um, yeah, that's... I guess that's one of the real big appeals as well. Um, mm -hmm. Cause that's, I guess, you know, to go back to the movie aspect of it, you look at like the karate kid and that's, um, you know, that's Danny when he, he um, meets up with Mr. Miyagi and he's getting picked on. And then, you know, he, he gets these karate skills and he, you know, it sort of enhances his, um, his confidence in himself and um, you know, and, and that's, that's a huge part of it for people. I think um, like, especially with jujitsu, like, um, that jujitsu is really, really hard for people. Like, especially if they come in, like having never done any kind of physical activity. And then all of a sudden they've got this like sweaty person on top of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that'll freak most people out on like the, you know, on the best of days. Um, but then when you get through that and like they, they become comfortable with that level of sort of closeness and, and also like the roughness of it as well. Cause you know, when you've got someone, especially someone bigger than you in side control or mount, you're, they're just suffocating underneath. Um, you really kind of learn about yourself and what, um, what you're capable of as well. And, then, and more often than not, that capability is vastly more than what you initially thought it was. Yeah, wow. Um, I, I guess like the thing that fascinates me is with regards to what attracts people to the martial arts is maybe it's got to do, I don't think it's selfish at all. I'm, I'm quite the same. Like I, I played team sports and I enjoyed them, but I don't know. It's just a matter of there's so many, so many dynamics between teammates and, you know, like um, I guess working together in a team is really important, but, and in jujitsu and in martial arts, you're still working with the team. But as you said, the process is a lot more um, personal so maybe that's a bit of like the, that, that's the equalizer because the extroverted, uh, wouldn't say boisterous, but really confident, um, excitable people don't really have 
that need to look within perhaps. Whereas if you're a little bit more of a bookworm, if you're a little bit um, less athletic, if it doesn't come as natural to you um, and you, you like to keep to yourself, maybe out of shyness, but maybe it's just your nature as well. Then something like the martial arts can kind of bring you up to that point where you are more confident in yourself and you do have the skills and you do have the abilities to, to match it with anyone, you know, like, because that's for, and especially with, with jujitsu, um, learning leverage is going to help you get to that point. So even if you are smaller or weaker, um, you no longer have to eat the shit of the, of the bully who's bigger and stronger. Like you do have a say now you have a voice, um, because you know, something like martial, like, like jujitsu, for example. So, um, yeah, man, that's really interesting. And I think also, as you say, being underneath side control, it's not a natural place to be. And there's so much adversity in there and you can't just, you can't convince yourself that you're not there or that, you know, you can escape because it's like, okay, if you think you can escape, go, go for it. And you can't, you know, like, and before you know it, you might be tapping out to the pressure, like, oh my, just leave me alone, get me out of here. Um, so I think to your point, man, like it's like the, the adversity that you find underneath the side control that helps you take, helps you level up as a person. Um, mm, definitely. That's really it's, cool. Uh, and, and, and that's the thing with like, you know, I think martial arts as a whole, it's just, you know, obviously jujitsu does it in, in a very specific way, but any kind of, um, I think it's the arduous nature of, of martial arts and that very personal self-improvement thing that um you know it's it's a crucible in in which you're refining yourself and no matter what it is you do like you know obviously you mentioned before um you know there's there's the never-ending argument of everyone trying to say like no like my style is more effective than your style and this that and you know all the politics of it and um you know it really it doesn't necessarily matter like if the person gets out of it what they need then uh -huh. that's fine like it's you know I, I do get where you know obviously you got like you know mcdojo life and things like that which is you, you kind of do need it because if there's guys making outrageous claims you know with like chi blasts and you know being able to stop people with the power of their mind and all this kind of stuff it's just mm -hmm. like okay well you know let's not get into the realm of like fantasy. Like, I don't know if you want to do that stuff, just go play with those like foam swords and dress up like an elf or something like <laughs> those LARPers do. Like, that's fine. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. you can't sell it as if it's like this, you know, you, you know, you're this deadly weapon, you know, this amazing, like I actually, um, you know, I, I obviously done a lot of different martial arts over the years. Um, you know, starting with Taekwondo when I was 10, but then, you know, I moved on to, you know, regular karate and then did, you know, tried a little bit of Kung Fu. And, um, you know, it, I even, you know, found this, these guys like, like teaching ninjutsu. Yeah, right. And I'm thinking, oh, awesome, man. Ninjas. Who the hell doesn't want to be a ninja? Like, yeah. that's the coolest thing ever. You know, I'm going to learn how to throw ninja stars and, and crazy stuff like that. But, um, you know, essentially it was just, kind of karate and black geese really like it's you know it, it was no different there was nothing um nothing really special about it and that's you know i think you find that a lot with those sort of ninja to mm -hmm. dojos not to throw shade but you know, they don't tend to be very <laughs> legit yeah they're not sneaking up behind you and like you know stabbing you with a katana or something but um 
you've, uh, but, but yeah, like I actually did, you know, wind up going and, you know, doing, um, I did Kenjutsu and Kendo for a while um, when I was quite young. Uh, Cause I actually really got into, you know, through martial arts, you know, watching, watching the samurai movies and things like that. I actually had an English teacher uh, named Mr. Turner who, when I was probably about, I think 14 or so lent me the Akira Kurosawa film, The Seven Samurai, which is, you know, an amazing piece of cinema, um, even just on its own, if you don't, you know, look at it as a martial artist or anything, but it's something I was like, this is, oh, it's amazing. I highly recommend it. Actually, anything Kurosawa did, um, he was sort of the precursor to a lot of um, what eventually became the, the spaghetti westerns like Sergio Leone's um, Fistful of Dollars was based on Kurosawa's film Yojimbo. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of them, they were pretty much just sh- almost shot for shot ripoffs. So a lot of those early um, Clint Eastwood movies were really just ripoffs of sort of 1950 samurai movies. Yeah, right. You know, not that they're also awesome, like, you know, Clint Eastwood's pretty great and, you know, Good, the Bad and the Ugly and Fistful of Dollars, Few Dollars More. They're all great films. Um, but the, you know, the old school um, samurai movies like Yojimbo, Sandro, um, The Magnificent... Uh, oh, so Seven Samurai eventually was made into The Magnificent Seven. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Um, it was from that that I really was getting the interest in, um, you know, some of the samurai arts and then, you know, did kendo and everything. And it was, that was an interesting experience because being 14, I had to, one, I had to like beg my mum to let me do it because she's like, no, like I don't want you playing with swords. You're going to like hurt yourself. Like that's mm-hmm. crazy. And um, eventually I convinced her <laughs> and then she she took me to go you know to um, go see this place and um, the guy was uh, Andrew Melito uh, who you know gone to Japan to study and he would sort of developed his own sort of style of, of swordsmanship and he actually told me he's like oh well, look we don't let anyone under sixteen train because by law you need to be sixteen in order to to purchase any kind of blade whether it's a knife or a sword or anything like that. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's really disappointing. But I sat down with him after watching the class and, um, you know, he was asking me questions and I was quite into, you know, the, the historical elements. And so I knew quite a bit about it. And, um, you know, we, we had the big discussion and he was like, oh, okay. Like that's, I just thought this kid wanted to like play with swords or something (laughs) and like, you know, didn't have any kind of interest in, in the cultural aspect or the, you know, the actual martial arts aspect of it. Like I thought, you know, I thought he was just some, some rando and um, he was really cool about it and actually said, look, you know, obviously you, you, you're really genuinely interested. And, and normally I would say, look, wait till you're 16. But he said, okay, no, like, um, why don't you show up next class and um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And yeah, I did that for, for quite a while. And that was really good because it, uh, I think I did it for for about a year, maybe a bit more. And like, you know, as as when you're like 14, a year feels like forever. 100%, um, yeah. And, you know, I, um, but it was really tough because the next youngest person in this, in his school was 21. 
So I'm 14, and then the next one, next youngest person was 21, and they're all grown men. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you've you've seen kendo, you're basically wearing armor and then hitting each other with with sticks with bamboo. Um, so yeah, when you're when you're a little 14 year old and you you're fight, trying to fight grown men with sticks and just getting absolutely walloped like I used to come home with just bruises all over me and um you know just had my like bell rung a couple of times being hit that hard through this um through the uh the bogu the armor yeah right and yeah like it was like it, like it's really it was really difficult and it was really disheartening a lot of the time because I just didn't feel like I was getting any better and then eventually I started making a few friends at school who also did martial arts. Um, my, my good friend, Anthony, who um, funnily enough was the guy I was mentioning earlier that uh, I make knives with. Um, so he did this martial arts Zen Chi Ru, which was a sort of amalgam of, you know, karate and kickboxing and, and stuff that was um, taught to him by his uncle. And so Zen Chi was pretty you know, reasonably widespread, um, especially in Western Sydney around that time, like, you know, from like sort of the 90s through to the 2000s. Um, they're still going, um, but I think, you know, obviously a lot less interest in the sort of karate-based martial arts these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like we became friends and then I started cross-training with his uncle and eventually when I, you know, put on the, the kendo armor and, you know, get around people who were sort of my level or especially my age. And we tried to muck around with it. I realized from, you know, training with these, these adult men who were just flogging me all the time. When I got around someone who was actually my size, like I just could go through them like a hot knife through butter. I was like, Oh wow, this is great. Like I'm actually winning. And and then I realized there was, there's something to that. There's something to really holding yourself to a, like to a really difficult standard, like where you're just, you're going up against people who are so much better and, you know, yeah. Like you inside your head, you're going, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. This sucks. Like I'm getting absolutely flogged like day in and day out. But then, you know, there's that point where you start to realize like, oh, wait, like, no, I am picking this up. It's just that these people are like, they either have, you know, these big physical advantages being, you know, fully grown and, and, and a lot stronger. So, you know, I try and block and it had just crashed straight through because it's someone who, you know, outweighed me by like 20 kilos and, you know, they've got grown man strength and I've got, you know, teenage boy strength. Yeah, right. <laughs> So um, that was that was really good in um, in the sense of introducing me to the benefits of of arduous and difficult training. It seems like you need that as well, right? Like if you're going to find, if you're going to go through something in order to get through the epiphany, which is a realization um, and I guess a valuable realization for life then it always seems like you're having to go through difficult times. Uh, in this mm. case, for you, it's like getting smashed by grown men. Um, but you, I, I think the, 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 the gold lies in your willingness and desire to pick up your helmet and all the armor and just keep going back to training and keep getting your ass handed to you and keep coming back and keep coming back. 
And then before you know it, as you, as you said, like you're looking around and people who are your age and size, you're beating them. So it's like, oh, wow, actually I am doing something. And that's very common um, on the jitsu mats as well, because students come in and they're complete beginners with no um, experience whatsoever. And then they're getting beaten up, not even beaten up, but they feel um, like they're not understanding anything. They don't understand the context. They don't get the steps, the technique feels terrible. They think they're holding other people back around them. Uh, and then I tell them, I think we all tell them, Hey, it's okay. Relax because you're a beginner and there's been hundreds if not thousands of beginners that have come in through our doors in exactly the same position that you're in like no one expects you to know anything right now and so they start off and then you know the sucky part is there and it gets a progressively less sucky um and then you know cut back you know first stripe second stripe and another new beginner comes in who's about a few months um like behind them and then you're starting you see the one somewhat beginner helping the brand new person as well and i think that's a nice little uh, window of acknowledging your progress and just and how this stuff works uh how it is to persist with something in the right ways the thing that's interesting i think this is character building as well and that's why i think that's why I didn't think that you weren't athletic. It's because if you give too much uh, discomfort, if you give too much difficulty at the beginning, I think it takes a special kind of person, not, like, not just special, but a very tough 1% kind of person who's going to keep it up and keep coming back. So for example, at you know the old stomping grounds of SPMA, when I first started, man, there was like a massive attrition rate um, for every 10 students that would come in, I feel like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe one would get to blue belt. And that's the case for a lot of different schools. Yeah. As well. Um, but the people who did finish and who, who did progress through that very difficult time are probably pretty tough dudes. Like, I think I was a pretty tough person. You would have had to kill me to, to prevent me from coming back the next day. Um, and just mm. like you too, I guess, is that, is that the case for you? Yeah, definitely. And, and, and yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Like it's not something that necessarily is inherent. Um, sorry, my dog's trying to come in to say hi. Um, oh, that's your rescue dog, huh? Yeah, yeah. This is Freya. Freya. Hey. Freya, yeah. She's a sook. So she always needs attention. She's a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but like, like I was saying, um, yeah, definitely hit the nail on the head. So I think it's, it's, not always inherent to have that like sort of toughness and grit. And it is something that in a lot of instances, like really you need to learn and, you know, to do it the most intelligently, you know, you would um, slowly over time, you know, just increase intensity and, you know, things like that. It's the, um, you know, they talk about it in like strength and conditioning. It's the, the said, said principle. So specific adaptation to impose demand. Mm -hmm. So if you impose a demand that's too great, then you're going to break someone. Like yes. it's just, you know, then they're not going to be able to recover. They're not going to be able to, to withstand that level of load. But if you, you know, incrementally increase over time, then, you know, same thing as, you know, if you're trying to get, you know, big muscles or, you know, whether you're trying to, 
like build up mental toughness. Like, you know, if you just put someone in the worst, like most horrible situation, like then they're just going to, they're going to break and they're going to be like, this sucks. I don't want to do it. I'm bailing. And, and like you said, that's why so many, so many people um, would quit jujitsu. You know, I think even, even when done right, jujitsu still potentially can have that, that high attrition rate because, you know, I think beyond, especially blue belt, like you get to that point where, you know, it's, it's kind of that Dunning-Kruger effect, I believe it is that, um, you know, you get to that certain apex of knowledge. And then, you know, I think a lot of people, they kind of think, oh, you know, I've got my blue belt. I can handle like, you know, if I got into a fight with like the average person and that's good enough for me and I'm kind of over it and I'm just going to bail and, Mm -hmm. you know, they pack it in. And then I think you really have to, fall in love with the art and and then also too it's getting to that point where you see that that drop in the valley in that Dunning-Kruger valley where you realize that you don't know anything at all you know enough to know you know nothing and and it's really daunting for some people I think and that and then that's another reason to quit because you go man this takes so long and so much effort and time and sweat and blood and you know shredded cruciate ligaments um in order to get better at um and yeah like i think it it does take a specific type of person um that's where i like i saw sort of quote with you know i'm not sure who it was attributed to but they asked someone like you know oh how long does it take the average person to get to black belt and they're like well the average person will never get to black belt you don't you're not average if you stick this out that long yeah Totally. And that's, that's kind of, I think back then, um, when I, when I just started, as you said, I wasn't like the average person. I I was like a tough kid. I wasn't even tough, like around in my social circle, but I had a lot of, um, tenacity. I just, if once I put my mind to something like that was it, I was going to get it done and nothing, nothing would ever get in my way. It could, could ever get in my way. Um, I find that interesting. Like, um, what made you quit the other martial arts then? Well, um, I think over, you know, obviously jumping from one, you know, one to the other, it was, you know, I kind of had this journeyman type mentality where I was just looking for something that made sense to me. And and because like, I was always like, my, my, my focus always was, you know, what was practical, what was, you know, the self-defense, I wanted to learn what worked and, um, you know, and, and look, there's, there's great things. What was the difference for you? Like, so why I, for you as a kid, um, would you not get excited about tricking, for example, or, you know, like the, the really um, beautiful kicks of Taekwondo, like, why was that? I wouldn't say not enough for you, but um, what, what was within you that made you want to find more, and find a find the self-defense aspect of it i think because i realized that the more simplistic the technique was the more it tended to work and you know it's like with taekwondo like the the tricking and the you know the jumping spinning stuff that looks awesome and look don't get me wrong within the context of taekwondo a lot of the time it is super practical because Mm -hmm. you know it's it is an agreement amongst two people in a sport 
that you know there and it's within the rules that, that it, it works and it's the same with a lot of martial arts it's um the exact same thing can be said for the sporting elements of jujitsu um you know if you you know berimbolo in the streets is the is the stereotypical um example that yeah like you might get your head kicked in or or you know even even just simply you know starting on the ground or you know it's like if someone tried to fight you and you you I know, laid down in front of them and started butt scooting. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it's probably not going to be the best outcome. Um, and you, and especially too, because you're going to play your hand as well. They're going to be like, "Oh, this guy does that jujitsu stuff. Okay, well, I'm going to step back and kick him in the face or something." Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, I think just being able to recognize like what kind of didn't work and what seemed a little bit fanciful. Um, I, I mean, and eventually that's why I gave up the um, like the kendo and everything because I'm, you know, I'm like, look, this is cool and it's fun and, you know, um, you know, it's great pretending that, you know, you're a ninja or a samurai or whatever, but um, how often am I going to be able to actually employ this in a realistic setting? Um, you know, granted, if I ever had to like pick up a stick and defend myself and it was approximately that length then yeah i feel comfortable <laughs> with it um i could probably just kind of holding a sword through. in your back pocket you know have yeah to exactly yeah yeah just carry one around on your back like yeah. just like that scene in kill bill when like you know the bride's got a sword on an airplane for some reason like they're just cool with her having it like <laughs> you know it, you're not even allowed to pay, to take like nail clippers on a plane and she's got a katana. I'm like, what the, <laughs> there's a fair bit of suspension of disbelief going on there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like I, I, that's where I eventually went on to doing um, Zen Chi Ru. Um, and that was because it was very much more, I guess, a practical style of karate. It's very similar to um, Kyokushin. And, and a lot of our guys used to compete in the uh, Kyokushin tournaments um, and, you know, used to do pretty well because um, Tom Slavin, you know, wanted to amalgamate a lot of different um, elements into, you know, his karate. He did boxing and he did kickboxing and, you know, saw Muay Thai and went, hey, like, you know, that works. All right, let's use some stuff from that. Like, you know, why... Um, why limit yourself? And that's, I think that's what attracted me to that in the first place is because a lot of, a lot of schools back in the day were very derisive of any other style. They're like, nah, that doesn't work. Our stuff works. Like they're shocked. You know, nah, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And I always kind of could smell the bullshit in that. I'm like, well, no, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know it doesn't work? Like what, why are they doing it then? Why do they do their style if, if it doesn't have some applicable act? aspect mm-hmm. um yeah so that that was something that i did for um for quite a while and um because a few of my friends from high school um were involved in that and yeah that was um and, and then eventually with my friend's uncle um he ended up transitioning a little bit more away from the you know the more karate aspects of it and then we started doing a lot more you know kickboxing or even you know playing around with more mma aspects and you know we occasionally get on the ground and you know it was pretty looking back on it now we did not know what we were doing at all but at least we were giving it a crack for sure and 
that's what um eventually led to and and this is over like a, a great number of years that i i did this and then even started cross training a little bit going doing a little bit of muay thai here and there um we had a really great muay thai gym near where i lived um that was jab out uh, ran by jason lappin okay. uh, so he was like a massive fixture in um australian muay thai he had a lot of champions under him and it was yeah like it was a pretty cool gym and getting to go and you know do a few pat i can't hear yeah let's go okay cool yeah <laughs> um yeah so um eventually when i was oh I think I was about 20, 21, mm -hmm. I think. Um, that's when I ended up um, going and I joined the army for a little bit. What, what, um, what, what enticed you to join the army at the time? I think, I think at that time was, you know, very similar to how I approached martial arts and I was just looking for a challenge. And mm -hmm. looking for something to, you know, obviously there's a lot of, there's knowledge there. And, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm into all this martial arts stuff. And, you know, I, I think that they're kind of related in a sense. Like at that time, I had, um, you know, having done kendo and things like that, I'd read, you know, Miyamoto Musashi's Book of Five Rings. And, you know, that's talking a lot about like stratagem for war. And, um, that's something that I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe I should join the army. It was basically for that and lack of a better idea, I guess. Yes. You know, yeah. I'll, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't really doing much with myself at that point. I'd, um, you know, finished up high school. I ended up going to tape for a little bit for music. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't really afford to stay on at TAFE because I was, um, I had a part-time job working in a bar and yeah, eventually I, the work dried up there and it was really hard trying to find work that fit in with my tape schedule. And then I got offered a job working in a warehouse with a mate and ended up saying, okay, well, you know, I might as well just do that and earn money. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, eventually I was like, well, I'm not really doing much other than just working in this warehouse and, you know, going and, do a martial arts every now and then I was like, okay, well, why don't I actually do something that might mean something? Yes, and right. that's where I eventually settled on the army. And so, and so when you joined the army, um, what were the things that the similarities, I guess, like, so how did your martial arts training help you um, direct your way through the um, army and through all, through your experiences there? Uh, definitely just the mental toughness aspect of it. Um, yeah, right. especially, you know, like basic training and, you know, um, your IETs, which is your initial employment training. So I joined as a rifleman. So, um, after basic training, which, you know, like it's tough, but it's more just cause it's, because it's a culture shock. That's probably the hardest aspect of it. You know, it's long days and you're away from, you know, friends and family, but you make, you know, you make friends there and, you know, it's, 
really just the, the basic building blocks of, you know, them. They, they, they basically want to break you down a little bit and build you back up into what they want you to be. Um, which, you know, which is like a lot of things. You've, you've kind of got to shed your preconceptions at the door. And I think that's, um, I think that's a similar, similar thing to being successful at a martial art, because if you go into it, you know, especially having trained elsewhere or done a different style, you, if you walk in and think, you know, everything, you're going to really struggle when it comes to actually picking it up because, you know, you've got this closed-minded view. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, I think Bruce Lee talked about it. It's like, you've got to, you've got to have an empty cup. Yep. You know, if you're going to fill it with knowledge, like it can't, you know, be already full or, you know, if you think it's full. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, um, you know, that was great because it was definitely another instance of just learning how to be disciplined and how to, how to be regimented and, um, you know, that, um, you know, was a very, very beneficial thing. Like I think, um, and I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. Like there's yeah. definitely people who really struggle in that situation, especially, you know, like if you've got someone who's, you know, yelling at you and telling you what to do all the time, like some people just cannot handle that at all. Yeah. And they, they melt down. And probably one of the best benefits I think is that, you know, to relate it back to a martial arts perspective, that if you've got someone whose job it is to basically try and get under your skin and, you know, I don't know, be rude to you or whatever, like, because, you know, they say some pretty messed up things there. Like they, buttons, they try right? to, you know, rock. Yeah, absolutely. So um, once you've been through that and you kind of recognize that it's just like, it's, it's words. Yeah, that's that's all it is, and it's not it's not anything that's going to have any lasting effect to you. Like, obviously, look, people can say things to hurt your feelings, and you know, you, you can have a reaction to that. Like, we're all human, and we all have ego to some you know varying degree at varying times. And if someone offends that ego, then that's like you know, you get mad and you go, oh, like I hate this person, or I want to punch this person, or something, you know, yeah. um, or you want to. Or even like, you you know, you go the opposite way and you go, oh, like I'm depressed and I want to cry. Like, you know, that's, um, but when you, when you get so used to it and it kind of, in, you get indoctrinated to it, that the words start to lose meaning, you realize like, oh, it's just all a big game. And it's, you know, you know, who cares? Like it, you start realizing like, no, like I've got strength internally. I've got, um, I've got self-worth enough to know that even though someone's, ripping me apart like you know just you know telling me i'm the worst thing ever mm -hmm. yeah okay well you know that's your opinion that's all good and you know from martial arts perspective like if someone on the streets they're you know swearing at you or whatever like you can de-escalate and that's always really going to be the best you know the best action you can take otherwise you know unless you've got no other choice because why would you like what's the point like what's the point of getting into a you know altercation with someone unless you're actually in danger. It's funny how you've done like a, a lifetime of martial arts in order to get to that conclusion, like just <laughs> de-escalate and try to avoid, you know, if you can. <laughs> um, well, that's, but, um, well, funnily enough, there's, um, 
even in the Book of Five Rings. So this is like, you know, written in the 1800s by, you know, Miyamoto Musashi, for those that don't know, was a um, famous swordsman. He fought in, I think it was around 60 duels um, and he won every one of them and in most instances killed his opponent. And even in his book, uh, The Gorin No Show, which is the Book of Five Rings, and it's it, it states in one part of it that the ultimate aim of martial arts is to is never having to use them. Like that's the ultimate aim. And it's for someone like that, whose whole fame and, and notoriety was the fact that like, you know, he was this amazing swordsman that, you know, had all these duels and, and, you know, basically killed people. But even he turned around and said, Hey, like, you know, the ultimate aim of this stuff is that yeah, you shouldn't use it. There's, um, I think Jordan Peterson said that um, uh, basically if you're, if you're capable of violence and you choose not to use violence, that's being peaceful. But if you're incapable of violence, you're not peaceful, you're harmless. Mm, big difference, right? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I think it's like having, and if we can even tie it back to you know talking about martial arts in terms of like the the hero's journey, that that sort of archetype of, of aspiring to use martial arts to be a good person. Like, if you're a good person, you don't want to hurt anyone. Like, why would you ever want to be violent? You know, it's um, it doesn't mean you don't have the capacity for it or the knowledge and the proficiency in that. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the ultimate goal. And I, and I think especially with, um, with how we train at high jiu-jitsu, I think that's, that's what we teach. It's if you're attacked, I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, like, you know, even, even our lower belts um, very quickly learn how to, how to survive in that situation and then hopefully either manage to get out of it safely or neutralize the person enough, whether the police can get there or whether they can just get away themselves. Like it's, um, I think that's, you know, that really like should be the, the ultimate goal of, I think all, all martial arts or, you know, all people aspiring to, to be a martial artist because you can be good at violence and not be a martial artist. Then you're just a thug. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be someone who goes and like, um, you know, not, not to throw shade, but like you can do the old um, Spanian bush maneuver and like hit some dude in the back of the head with a brick when they're not looking. Like that's is that what you call that, it? tactically, that is, a, that, is, that is amazing. Tactically, that's great. You don't get any better than like stoving in someone's head with a brick when they're not looking. They're never going to beat you at that. Yeah. <laughs> but does that make you a good person? Hell no. Like that's uh-huh. not that's not a martial artist that's you know that's using good tactics but that's not a martial artist Mm -hmm. yeah right so i guess the beautiful part of this is that when you're developing the ability um but ultimately it's on you as to whether you use it or not and it's up to you and part of the learning process is developing the skills to understand when to use it and when not to. And part of the skills is also knowing um, every stage of the conflict. So not just the middle part that becomes hand to hand, like the actual fight, 
you know, like if we talk about self-defense, it's like it's the before as well. Like and just um, your mindset and your mentality and um, your decisions that you make on a daily basis about, um, you know, where you're going and how you're talking to people and how you approach people. Um, and it's not it's not simply just um, the technique. OK, here's the the, you know, the punch defense to her hip throw. It's everything. It's the whole entire event. Um, of pre, during, and then, you know, post-event as well. So, um, yeah, really cool, man. Definitely. Really cool understanding it's, um, that. Well, that's, it's like you said, it's the, I think one of the things that gets the absolute least attention in, um, in martial arts or like in martial arts with a view towards conflict, like real conflict is, um, is the pre and post. Um you know, the, the, the signs of the lead up to violence, that's going to save your life more than any technique ever can. Because if you recognize that there's someone who just is looking crazy and you can even, you know, potentially look at this person and you could make an assumption that, hey, like certain people just kind of look like they might be carrying a weapon. Mm -hmm. You know, the, there's... Um, you know, there's a lot of subtle cues. There's environmental cues. You know, if you're walking down a well-lit street in a really nice neighborhood, like, yeah, like, okay, like it's probably not going to be that risky. But if you're, you know, walking through the dodgiest neighborhood out, there's like graffiti everywhere, you know, half of the street lights are broken, um, you know, and someone comes sauntering up to you just looking shady, then you're like, okay, well, look, there's potentially going to be, an issue here and that's where i think the um martial arts helps because you get that confidence like we talked about earlier like you if you're confident in yourself and you know you have a physical capability you hold yourself differently and generally those people who are going to try and rob you or to you know try and do something you know basically get from you something that you don't want to part with whether that's money or your life mm -hmm. Um, they're not going to want a hard target because those people generally are cowards. Like they don't want to, you know, they're not someone looking for a challenge. They're not someone going to it because otherwise they'd go to a martial arts gym and they'd say, hey, look, I'm going to go roll with the black belt there and just get absolutely owned for like multiple rounds. And, you know, that's, that's just how they're going to do it. Like, and, but, but no, they're going to look for the, the small, the weak, the um the person who looks nervous in that situation but if you're looking around you're scanning your environment you're um you know you're confident in the way you hold yourself and the way you walk they're going to look at it and and, and they're just going to go and you know what too hard mm -hmm. like this person's aware they're um they look confident they look fit that's a big one like you know that's you know if you if you do jujitsu or you train like you know you're holding your head high um you know, you, you've got some self-confidence and some self-respect. And then even if they do decide to, to come up to you, you probably got the wherewithal and, and the intelligence to say, okay, well, you know, look, here's my wallet, man. Like, you know, I'm not going to, like, if it's your wallet, yeah, you get a new wallet, cancel your cards, mm -hmm. you know, you get a new phone. But if you do have to obviously, you know, defend yourself, then you've got that capability and, and that's what you're confident in. Yeah, and I, like I think the the distinguishing point here is you're making the decision. Like someone's not going to force you to give their wallet. You're gonna 
look at the situation and say, well, I can do something here. Of, of all the different options that I can see in front of me, the least risky and probably most safe option right now, most effective option is to give this wallet over. Okay, fine. But it's not, I think that what the martial arts helps us do is have the ability to make that decision. Whereas if I didn't have martial arts and I was scared of the person who asked me for my wallet, then I'd just kind of shake and give them anything and everything, you know? So, um, and I think that's where the power, that's where the confidence comes in. As you said, like, it's just how you carry yourself. Like when I walk around, like it's a matter of if shit hits the fan, I have an idea about what to do right here. And that um, is different to the thought of, oh, shit, if anything happens right now, I'm completely stuffed. Um, I was having a conversation. I always have conversations with people, um, with strangers about jiu-jitsu. It always goes there. And um, I was at uh, the PCYC um, open day at Martin Place. And this guy was watching us um, grapple and practice our self-defense techniques and stuff. And he goes, we had this conversation. He goes, look, man, I'm really interested in learning something because I've got a girlfriend now. And he looked quite old. He looked middle-aged. So it was a kind of new thing. He had his, he had his new missus there. And it's like, and I always think about it. If I'm ever walking with her and if anybody ever comes up to me, I have no idea what to do. And it scares me. He's like, I, I'd love to find out and just have an idea about how to defend myself. If anybody was to come up to me or my or my partner right now and, and want to start anything. So he looked scared just thinking about that and just knowing that he didn't have the, the option. The funny thing about it is people who don't train and have that confidence, you know, that's, a lot of times it's a false sense of confidence, um, which is what I had when I was a teenager growing up. I just thought I had this big, big right hand that would just KO everybody. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of, that's, I guess, what the, what the jiu-jitsu um, path, the martial arts path gets um, from you, that, that, that you get from it, I, I should say as well. Um, my question is, man, like we've spoken about toughness quite a bit. How do you relate this toughness, this mental toughness, to the mats, it's not, uh, I guess like a layman, an uneducated person would say, hey, if you're really tough on the jiu-jitsu mats, have my arm, put it in an armbar, I'm not gonna tap because I'm tough. I'm gonna just grip my teeth and I'm just gonna bear it and then break it, just break it because I'm a tough guy. And we know from so many years on the mats that that's not the case. So in your opinion, like how can you um, take this mental toughness that you've developed over the years, and then how do you um, apply that in the in the jiu-jitsu um, life journey? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And um, look, I think um, it's it's interesting because it it definitely plays into when I first came to higher jiu-jitsu, and um, when I found you guys. Um, on Google because I was looking for, for jujitsu that was, that was self-defense oriented. Cause that's, that's definitely, definitely my, um, my focus. And like you, you saw when I like first started with you guys, like, I you know, cause I, we had, I, that was the best call. Like yeah. I put up that call and I was like, this guy's going to sign up and we're going to have a whole bunch of fun together. I can tell with those calls. Oh, I'm gone. I'm glad it came across that way. It's yeah. no, because I was I was super pumped to to start because I was like, you know what? I think I've finally found where I'm where I'm meant to be. And this is um, you know, and, and this was 
a difficult thing to transition to, even though it was the right decision. Because, you know, I came in, I already had my blue belt. Um, and, you know, essentially, you know, you took me aside and you said, hey, man, like, it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, yeah, definitely you've, you've got your blue belt. Like, you know, I, I recognize you have been doing jujitsu. You, you do have that level of skill. I'm not, not, you know, denying that. But then also, like, we've got a, a very specific curriculum. And, you know, I'd like you to, to work up to doing the blue belt test and, um, and just grading under our association. And I was like, okay, like, I'm like, all right, like, you know, cool. At first, like in my head, I'm just thinking like, oh shit, does John think that I'm not deserving of the blue belt that I've already got? And like, you know, there's, there's always going to be that little like tickle of ego in the back. Um, but eventually, like, I just looked at it and I'm like, well, yeah, like after rolling with some of the guys there, like even seeing, um, like I remember specifically having a role with, um, with Brad and I was, and that's the thing, like, I'm probably like, I'm, I'm a bit bigger than Brad. Like, you know, Brad's not like a, like a tiny guy or anything like that, but like, I'm a bit bigger. Um, you know, and you know, it's funny, you know, like you said, said before, like you, you found it strange me talking about when I wasn't athletic because I came into the gym with just a ton of athleticism and, yeah. you know, I'm trying to like cartwheel past guards and, you know, doing all this stuff like that. And, um, but I remember rolling with Brad and just getting so frustrated because he would just like really systematically break down and, and, and stifle any athleticism from me. And I remember specifically him getting on my back and then, you know, just really struggling. I'm like, Holy crap, this guy's on my back now. You know, I'm like, how did this even happen? I'm like, ah, shit, like shit. And I'm, and, and seeing the level of some of the guys um, in the gym and even some of the guys that were, you know, still on their white belts and, um, and just going, man, there's something here. There's something to the curriculum. And, and look, it wasn't easy to, to sort of admit that at first because it, it, cause then it required me kind of going back to the drawing board with my jujitsu overall. And um and we've had many conversations over the, you know, I think I've trained with you guys now for like a bit over three years. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think there's going to be many more conversations um, to come because like ego still exists. Like, you know, there's times where I, you know, I used to just try and rely on athleticism and that mental toughness. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to tap. Yeah. Nah, I'm, I'm just going to go as hard as possible. You know, this is, you know, this is how it's got to be done. And look like you know mental toughness is great and and having toughness and grit on the mats is great but not not all the time like it, it's it's something that you know i've really come to the realization especially in the probably the past year or so that um i'd rather have that as a break glass in case of emergency like you know i'll, I'll you know i've got enough mental toughness that if i'm ever having to fight for my life you know for real then yeah, cool. Like, you know, break my arm, do whatever. Like, you know, that's, those are the moments for, for that, you know, that aggression and that, you know, super athletic, like, you know, cause you know, you're fighting for your life. Like, of course, but when it comes to training, um, you know, learning how to be calm and relaxed on the mats and, and then also to, to, to accept techniques, you know, if I'm just fighting, 
you know, tooth and nail to not end up in side control and I end up side control anyway, I'm in the same position I would have been had I just accepted it, but I'm twice as tired. Yes. And then, you know, my counterattacks or my, you know, my frames that I'm trying to establish to make space are going to be harder or weaker. Like um, it, it, it's more difficult, you know, to, to actually use proper technique because I'm tired and I'm frustrated. And then, you know, you allow emotion to start creeping in because, you know, you, that heart rate kicks up and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got that fight or flight. Yep. Been there. Kicking in and... Yeah, definitely. So that's um that's probably the biggest thing, you know, transferring that mental toughness and and that grit to the mats is is learning that you don't have to use it. It exists in your head. Like it's a very, you know, um internal thing that you can always reach in and it's a it's a font of 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 energy and of um of motivation that you can tap into. But at the same time, like, you know, you always want to aspire to be using superior technique and mechanics, um, you know, to re- remain in calm, even in the worst positions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what I've really learned. And that's, that's definitely the, um, I think, the better way of doing it. Because there's, you know, there's times where mental toughness just leads you down a bad path. Well, it's really interesting that you've said you've said this because we're talking about the same thing, mental toughness. But on the one hand, people like I think it's a matter of where you apply it, where you apply that card. And for some people, I think um, what I I mean personally, I think it could be a lot of things. But this idea of mental toughness is staying calm when you're in a very um, difficult situation, not. Um, exploding at any point in time when the going gets tough, not just um, trying to spaz and um, just erupt and force yourself, force yourself on the situation. That's more a matter of, okay, the cards are stacked against me right now. Let me sit back. Let me have the mental toughness to not stress myself out and not get really worked up um, and slowly work my way out of it and slowly look to millimeter by millimeter find a path that um, will help me in the future. I think to Mm. your point as well, like mental, as you said, man, like um, from a, I'm a, from a coach's point of view, like we, we have the conversation sometimes. And then I have other conversations with other students. And sometimes for you, sometimes it's like, Hey, uh, Pat, try to focus, you know, like take away the athleticism a little bit is what we've, spoken about before for some other people it's like hey man you got to kind of like um get a bit more comfortable being in a bad spot you know like just sometimes i have to pump them up a little bit and make them a little bit more um durable let's say and a little bit more tough in that way so i guess from a coach's point of view yeah you want to you want to have a little bit of mongrel about you you do need that and that's and as you said before that's what jiu-jitsu helps you with as well you can't have that you can't not you can't have any you can't not have any mongrel like there needs to be that little bit of mongrel and i think what has to happen is you need to discern the times where the mongrel comes out of you and where it doesn't and i think that's what you've done really well like um that was this that was the kind of premise of our conversation it was like don't always bring that mongrel mongrel out you know like make technical have technical solutions to technical problems and then 
that's going to help you at the times when you do definitely need to bring the mongrel out, mongrel out. And I think for you, man, like it's so much easier for you to understand Absolutely. that because you've been in these situations, you've been in the army, you know, you've done the hardest things that people do. Um, and that can help you in future um, just work out um, where to apply your skills, like which, which skills to apply in which situations. Mm. Uh, definitely. And um, I think that's the, like, that's one of the biggest benefits. And, and, you know, that's why, um, you know, look, even when I, I moved back to Penrith for a little bit and I was still catching the train into the city to train at higher jujitsu, because there's, you know, there's definitely something special about, you know, the, the culture at, um, at our school. And I think it's, you know, I'd even go, go so far as saying like, you know, going beyond culture. It's almost like a, like, like DNA. It's something that's sort of being inherently built into to everyone who comes in and trains and, you know, especially as they progress through the belts. Um, it's like this sort of universal understanding everyone has that, you know, we're there to collaborate and we're there to, to, you know, lift each other up. You know, there was, you know, we all use that quote: "The rising tide lifts all ships." Yeah. It's um, and, and it's great because you know, one thing that you you do really learn is, is that jujitsu isn't just a way to you know be tough or to you know or even like to the outsider's perspective, like or martial arts as a whole. Like, it's not about being violent. It is about building you up as a person. It's also building up the people around you. It's um. You know, it's a crucible in which we're all forging ourselves to be the best versions that we can be of ourselves. Yeah. And um, I, th I think that's something that we've got going that's really quite unique because I think that it is hard not to throw shade anywhere. I'm not going to say any names. Like I've trained it. Um, I've been doing jujitsu now for, you know, about, I think it's like almost, it's probably like seven years. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's like three of those have been at higher. So obviously I've trained elsewhere, but it's, it, there is something really inherently special in, um, in the, I'll, I'll say it again, the DNA of our school and, and that it passes through everyone, you know, and I feel like it's being sort of filtered down through, you know, Professor Sauer into you to, you know, to guys like Oscar, Danny, Maddie, like, you know, and then out into everyone else. Like it's, you know, it, it's great. And it's something that's really good to see. And it's really helped me um, overall because, you know, there's definitely been times where, you know, the mental toughness does waver and you think, oh, you know, like I've, I've had time off due to injury. I've, you know, even just had time off, you know, I'll take a week off here and there if I'm like feeling burnt out. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's having that aspect in, in our school where everyone's collaborative, everyone's aspiring to something better um, that keeps me coming back and that's probably kept me training when there was times that I might have looked at, you know, quitting or taking, you know, taking a long time off. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so... And that's... That Go for it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, and that's like, I think that's really the true aspect of mental toughness for jujitsu. It's just staying in it 
and just having a positive attitude and a positive attitude for everyone around you and just looking at it for what it is like it's a it's a gift that we get to do it and it's you know and it sucks for us right now we're all in lockdown but it doesn't take away how awesome jujitsu is and how great it's going to be when we all get to jump on the mats again and you know slap hands bump fists and then you know simulate murder on each other can um, you imagine that those first grapples they're going to be they're going to be so beautiful so amazing um yeah it's i um i I'd, i agree with you like wholeheartedly that it's like culture of the school isn't the quotes that are on the wall you know they're not what the teacher says for the most part they're not what the rules are of the school like it's it's inherent and i'm trying to I'm creating a bit of a coaching course as well and like a, how to build a culture of a school and I'm trying to put that into words and it's difficult. Like there's something, there's something there and it's, it's inherent in every student um, and their intentions of coming in and of their attitude and of um, so much, so much um, is involved in having a, a school like ours. And a big part of it is having legends like you, man, like you and as you said, Maddie and Oscar and Danny and, um, everybody who, who, not just those boys, but, you know, even the, the white belts who have been training for a couple of weeks, like everybody makes um, the school what it is. And I love it. And um, to your point, like, I think yeah. the mental toughness is that, like, that's a big part of it, just staying on the mats because you will face adversity. Like our school is helping, is guiding how much adversity at each time. So we're using the said principle, you know, like we're kind of giving you just amount, just a little bit of, um, at a time so you can eat it up and keep coming back for more. Sometimes, you know, there's too much. Sometimes it's not enough. And I think it's in your ability to keep going, keep going, keep going, because that's what's going to get you to um, not be an average person and be a more than average person and get to the black belt. Um, and yeah, man, in four, three years, three and a half years, um, I've seen so much progress in you man like on the mats off the mats and i think that's the like such a big part of jiu-jitsu so hey thanks so much pat for jumping on i know you had to run off um that's like a while ago <laughs> so um thank you man thanks for this chat i appreciate it let's both um miss jiu-jitsu together and um in no time yeah man definitely in no time we'll use our jiu-jitsu skills to get us through this lockdown and then in no time we'll be back checking each other out and loving it as well Definitely, mate. Pat, thanks so much, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, chat soon. We'll do thanks this for having again. me on. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks, definitely. Man. Sounds good. I'll see ya. See you, Johnny.